You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to a Monday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Romil, and we're recapping the Heat's 102-96 to win over the New Orleans Pelicans Sunday night to close out a successful 4-2 road trip that also included wins over the Clippers and the Grizzlies. The Heat led the Pelicans for practically the entire game. Hassan Whiteside and Bam Adebayo did a nice job limiting Anthony Davis. Josh Richardson scored a team-high 22 points. Dwayne Wade added 19 points of his own, including a floater with 51 seconds left to ice the game. David, we talked a lot about how this six-game road trip could change this season. Miami's just a game out of the playoffs now of the East. Do you feel like the season has turned around for Miami? I don't, and I know a lot of you will probably be surprised to hear that, but to be honest with you, I don't think it changes how the team views itself or how they move forward. If we look at this group and say they obviously weren't going to tank because they're just not wired that way because they're not equipped to do so because they don't have the assets to sell off players, etc. I don't know that they were ever going to change how they handled or tackled this season. As far as, you know, on a game-to-game basis, they were going to try to win. Whether they had the talent to do so or not was a whole other question, but it doesn't change their outlook or how they prepare for the rest of the season. Now they've won a few games. Again, like you said, they're just a game out of the playoff spot. Not that that matters in, in December, but still... You know, and I think they're going to continue to try and win as many games as possible. And as I've said for most of the season, I, I still view this as a playoff team. So I don't know that it necessarily changes anything. Perhaps it gives some players a little bit more confidence. We saw some breakouts from Justice Winslow. We saw some bounce back gains from, you know, Tyler Johnson, who has missed a lot of time due to injury. Goran Dragic still out of the lineup. So when he comes back, we get to see how he'll fit into a, maybe a slightly revamped offense um and as far as Hassan Whiteside's concerned he took time off obviously he came back had a couple solid games against Memphis and New Orleans so I wonder if uh you know I don't know that it's necessarily turned the season around I think it's given them a little bit more of a boost so that they don't sink their heads too much because I think that that's the problem with losing is that losing begets losing and you don't know how to get out of that funk even for a team that has the quote-unquote winning culture like Miami does I think they're now they can see the the six game road trip and go. You know what? We are good enough to win against some of the better teams in the league. And from that point forward, maybe they'll have a little bit more encouragement, be a little bit more positive as far as their overall outlook is concerned, and and kind of you know engage be engaged a little bit more for those games because there are gonna they're gonna be some trying times. They're gonna face some tough competition over the rest of the month, especially in the Eastern Conference. They face Milwaukee and Toronto over the holiday break, so. It's going to be a challenge for them to maintain any kind of positivity, but I I think at least they have a little bit more to build off of. I've got a theory here. All right. What if we swap the Pelicans and the Heat? You move New Orleans to the East, you move the Heat to the Western Conference. Because right now the Heat are 8-4 and against the Western Conference. They're not doing so well against the Eastern Conference with losses to the Magic over and over again and things like that. Atlanta. Atlanta. We can't we can't beat any Eastern Conference teams of West. We've got handled. The Western Conference is no problem. New Orleans, they're 15 and 16 now after the loss. They need to try to hold on to Anthony Davis. I think we just swap them. I think we just swap conferences. I think it'll make sense. Um look, I do think that this was a major thing for the Heat. I I, I won't go as far, obviously, to say this is 30 and 11 ish 
but I really do think that this is enough to boost Miami's confidence and kind of hold on to this group a little bit longer, maybe more than they probably should. Had they gone two two and four in the six game road trip as opposed to four and two, which they did, which we predicted, which I, I predicted right. they'd go two and four. I really thought that they'd miss the last four games of this the road trip, but you know, who Ex- knows? If that had happened. I think we could have seen Miami maybe sell off some spare parts here. It, it's been it was December fifteenth over the weekend. It came and went. That means players who signed over the offseason can get traded. I think that we could have seen some stuff happen. I'm not saying right away. I'm not saying like de- right as like the night of or or the morning of the fifteenth, like the Trevor Ariza situation. But right. I do think that this buys the team a little bit more time. And then moreover, I think that Spolster really figured something out here too. We've talked a lot about how it usually takes some. 20 or 30 or so games to really figure out a team and that we didn't think that that would be the case going into the season because it was the same team as last season yeah. but it did it did take them some time mostly because of the injuries and then really because of the ascension of guys like Richardson and Winslow and Bam as the team's best players or you know among the team's best players and I think he's figured out how to use them we've seen more 3-2 zone than ever um, or 2-3 zone I should say than, than we have the entire season on this road trip it seems like he's really starting to lean into that um, especially when he gets you know, different front court pairings that he has to deal with. And then Justice Winslow, who, you know, suffered a, uh, was it a right ankle sprain or right ankle pain, they're calling it, or something like that against New Orleans. Um, Had to leave the game early, but I thought he had a pretty good road trip. Josh Richardson got going, obviously, with his 22 points. Um, Bam Adebayo has played phenomenal defense, hit his first three-pointer of his career against New Orleans in that game. So I do feel like this is... I'm not saying that we're going to turn the season around and Miami's going to go ahead and win 48 games. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it did. this did impact Miami's outlook on the season, I think. Everybody, make sure to make your way to reddit.com slash r slash heat on Thursday, December 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern time for our Reddit AMA. It'll be David and I answering any and all questions that you have about the Miami Heat, the podcast, uh, superhero movies for David, whatever you want to talk about. Again, that's reddit.com slash r slash heat Thursday, December 20th, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Ask us whatever you want, and we look forward to chatting with you over there. We've done these in the past. They're always a lot of fun, and uh, we always get some great questions from you guys. So that's reddit.com slash r slash heat, Thursday, December 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. See you there. Let's get to your Twitter questions you sent in using the hashtag AskLOHeat to our Twitter account, at LockedOnHeat. This one comes from Dylan. I love the way Derek Jones Jr. has been playing the last couple of games. Do you see him in the Heat's future beyond this season? What do you think, David? Well, he's still under contract next season, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got one more so, year. It's it's a non guaranteed. Um, it's non guaranteed, but yeah, he he is under contract. So at the very least, there's one season there, and yeah, I absolutely believe that he'll be a part of it. I, I think he's still raw. I mean, it, it's strange to look at at this player who's kind of in a, entering what his fifth season in the league at this point. You know, in between his stint in, in Phoenix and, and his couple seasons here, um, and he just he still looks very very uncomfortable offensively. He does not have a polished game. You saw him in summer league up close. Got a chance to talk with him, and and he seemed like he had taken another step in his development. Of course, summer league uh, is a big difference from the actual regular season against NBA level talent. And he does seem a little, you know, uncomfortable again offensively. But that's not to say that he doesn't have some gifts there. I mean, his overall explosiveness, his timing on the bounce, his ability to corral rebounds because of his length and and even for putback slams and things of that sort. 
and of course, then his also his his springiness over a defender where he can finish in traffic and finish at the rim at a high level. Those things I think give value, and I think the Heat feel comfortable in in their development staff and the, their system, which has worked so well in the past, and they feel that they can continue to give this guy another chance because, one, he works hard. He's shown promise. He's shown that he's able to embrace what the team has taught him and, and improve his game. So I honestly believe they'll try, find a way to keep him beyond even next season when he's already under contract. He's uh, three years in the league, um, and I think... Look, the Heat have already sort of talked about him. They've, they've talked about him like they're... He's their first-round pick of this year because, obviously, they didn't have a pick in the draft. So they're viewing Derek Jones Jr. as, okay, that's kind of our guy. He's only 21 years old. He's raw, as you say, but they feel like there's something there. Um, I don't know what – yeah, I think he's going to be here for at least a year. I, it, obviously, it'll depend on his development. It really will depend on the three-point shot, which has been hit or miss kind of this season. He, he showed off a, a good three-point stroke during Summer League, but that was during Summer League. Um it's really going to come down to that. He's can, he can do so many things, like you said, about as far as rebounding and impacting the game. There's a little bit of Rodney Magruder kind of stuff there where he just like works really hard, and I think the Heat's coaching staff would appreciate that. Um, but, again, if he, if he can't hit the three-pointer, and he admitted, he, he said this to me during summer league. He's like, if I can't hit the three-pointer, then I don't have a future in the league. So he's preparing for that. He is trying to get better at it. He's practicing it. Um, but it doesn't mean that ne- that necessarily is going to pan out. So that's what we're waiting for on him. Our next question comes from Billy, who writes in, and there goes Justice Winslow's breakout. <laughs> what happened? Um, this came in after the Pelicans game. Uh, Winslow obviously played only 15 minutes in that game because of the, the ankle sprain there. Um, had two points on one of four shooting, missed both of the three-pointers he took, had two rebounds, three assists, um, just one turnover. I didn't think he looked that bad against... New Orleans, he did get, I mean, he got off slow. He wasn't explosive Justice Winslow that we came to know and love uh, over the last couple of weeks, but um, he did, he was, he slowed down a little bit the last couple of games. It's, uh, yeah, I, I have a theory, and, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I think it's one, Utah. I mean, the, let's look at the last three games. Obviously, he, he had an injury shortened game against the Pelicans where he only finished with two points. Against the Grizzlies, he had four points in 24 minutes. That was in a win. And then against Utah, that horrible blowout, he only had nine points in 29 minutes. So as far as the Jazz are concerned, I think he was just, he, he struggled. Maybe after his, his big breakout against the Clippers where he had 28 points, maybe he just, you know, he struggled a little bit. And, and let's give credit, Ricky Rubio is a pretty good defender overall. That might have made things a little difficult for point justice there. Um, as far as the Memphis and Pelicans games are concerned, I kind of think, and maybe it's just me, I, I want to blame Hassan's return to the lineup because I think it changes how Winslow plays the game. Like He cannot push the pace as much as he wants to. He's reverted more into a, a half-court offensive type player, and that's not his strong suit because we've seen him lead the, the, the fast break, ignite the offense that way, get his timing down right so that he can attack the basket at a good, play, a good pace that's comfortable for him. And with Whiteside in there, that changes things considerably. He's forced to kind of regress out to the perimeter, find Whiteside as he's calling for the ball, have him initiate offense that way. And I think that takes away from Winslow's efficiency. Yep. (laughs) Okay. 100%. (laughs) Um, No, you're right. And that's why I think Winslow thrives coming off the bench, not because Winslow is not good enough to start, because you can't play him 
next to Whiteside. You're at, we've said this about Justice Winslow a hundred times. He needs to be an up and down, fast paced game, and that's most of this roster is that, except for Whiteside. And so even when Whiteside has a good game, and he had a he had a nice game against New Orleans, he went toe to toe with Anthony Davis. You got to give him credit. He had a really good game in that game. Now Anthony Davis didn't guard him. That was mostly Julius Randle, but um, he and guard guard him. You know, right. That's that's in theory mostly. Yeah, not so much in practice. Uh, but, but Whiteside did guard Anthony Davis. Did a nice job. So did Bam Adebayo. They did a nice. Both of them did a nice job against Anthony Davis. Um, but it, it's it's just like I don't mean this to be critical or personal even to Hassan Whiteside, but it's just centers like him don't succeed at a high level in today's NBA. We're even seeing Utah Jazz reach a point with with Rudy Gobert where they might have to start thinking about what their construction is around Donovan Mitchell going forward. I mean, there's, that's a real thing that Utah needs to deal with. And Gobert is leaps and bounds better than Whiteside and 100% more consistent than Whiteside. So yeah. there's there's issues there with just the kind of player he is. And when you put him on that roster and when you have Justice Winslow at point guard who needs to go up and down and needs to play in that fast-paced sort of game, you're absolutely right. I also do want to blame the floor in Memphis Justice Winslow kept slipping in that first quarter. I don't know what was going on, but he like he slipped like three times in a row on like three straight possessions or something like that. It was crazy. I don't know why he kept falling over. So I blame I blame the mop guys in Memphis a little bit for the for the slow start. But overall, I'm not going to worry too much about Justice Winslow. He's not LeBron James. He's not a superstar player. He's not going to go off for 28 points every night. He's going to have off nights a little bit. And I think you're right when when Whiteside's in there, it mucks things up a little bit and doesn't help him. So they've got to figure that part out. Um, I, I will say this about Hassan uh, in, in his return, and obviously it's just been two games. He does look more invested in passing the ball. I know this is probably fool's gold the way the preseason was, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm looking for Hassan to be more of a playmaker. Uh, but he did have two assists against the Grizzlies, and you know he he made some passes against New Orleans that didn't wind up being a, a made basket. But he was looking actively looking to try and share the ball, which is. An incredible improvement for somebody like him. All right, let's go to our stat of the game. David, you got one? Take that for data. Yeah, it's not a it's not a good one. It's mostly reflective of how bad the New Orleans Pelicans are, to be honest with you. But I, I just I found it incredible to see the the bench versus scoring disparity between the two teams. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Miami's starting lineup with Justice Winslow suffering an injury, but even you know, had he stayed in the game, we assume he probably could have struggled. Look, Rodney Magruder struggled mightily, 0 for six. James Johnson still doesn't look hundred percent, one of four for only three points. The starting lineup for Miami finished with 44 points, leaving their bench to come up big with Tyler Johnson, Dwayne Wade, as you mentioned, and Derek Jones Jr. They totaled 58 points between the whole bench. So they went 10 deep, just like uh, New Orleans Pelicans did. Who They had the other side of the equation where they finished with 76 points from their starters, only 20 points from their bench. Obviously, their bench is decimated. They've had some injuries. Nikola Meritich is a big part of their offense in the starting lineup. And he just hasn't, you know, he's been out due to injury. So they've struggled a little bit in that regard. But, I mean, they get a lot of points from Davis, Randall, Drew Holiday, obviously. But their bench is miserable. So I just thought that that was a pretty interesting dynamic there between the two teams who kind of reflect very different sides as far as where they get their scoring from. Yeah, Darius Miller with 31 uh, minutes for New Orleans, 35 minutes for Etuan Moore. And everybody else kind of is like in that 5 to 14 range. So they... (laughs) New Orleans just doesn't have a whole lot of depth, and that's been an issue for them all season, and and, and that's been a problem for them. Um, My stat of the game is just the offensive rebounds. 22 offensive rebounds for Miami, which more than made up 
for the the three point percentage disparity. The Heat shot twenty eight point six percent from three point range in that game. Not good. Um, yeah, only ten of thirty five. The Pelicans didn't light it up, but they were at thirty six percent, thirteen to thirty six. So they got more points from the three point line than Miami did. But Miami again with those offensive rebounds were able to get extra possessions out of it. We going into the season. Spolster talked about wanting to basically be the best offensive rebounding and rebounding team in the NBA. That hasn't been the case, but on a night like this, they were really good. Four players had as many or more offensive rebounds than Anthony Davis did. Four players on the Heat. You had Dwayne Wade with three. Anthony Davis had three. And then you had Rodney Magruder with four. Derek Jones Jr. with five. Hassan Whiteside with six. That was a really good, uh, and not to mention two from uh, Bam Adebayo, so, look, when the Heat are crashing the boards like that, it helps. I just, obviously, you know me, I'm, I'm a very anti-rebounding person. But in a game like this where the three-point ball isn't going in and you need to generate some points that way, that's basically what won them the game tonight, to me at least, was their defense against Anthony Davis and just crashing the boards, getting extra possessions that way and just finding a way to win. And their bench production, but I mean, mm-hmm. even yeah. still, you look at the you look at the, the statistics for both sides of the, the you know both teams. He can't really make a strong argument other than the rebounding edges to why Miami won. Like, they shot really poorly. They didn't get more points in the paint than, than New Orleans did. In fact, they both had 42 points in the paint. I mean, it, it didn't look like a game that Miami should have won, and yet they found a way to build a lead early on and, and kind of hold on just enough there. You know, I don't know if, if you heard about this, and I don't know if our listeners have either, but I think it's worth bringing up. There, there was a point, I believe, Rachel Nichols made on ESPN's The Jump that Anthony Davis has been part of the problem for New Orleans where he's not doing nearly enough. And some fans, a very minor but loud minority, I think, uh, has agreed with Rachel that he's not trying his all. Where do you stand on it? Because we haven't really talked about I, it. Do you think I, Anthony I, Davis is a problem? I got into this. I got into a long argument on Twitter about this over the weekend, actually. I don't think... Look, Anthony Davis isn't the problem. I just... You can't... Look, I got into a Twitter argument. They said, well, he need, if he wants to be an MVP, he needs to play like it all the time. I was like, well, no, he doesn't. James Harden doesn't play like it all the time. He won an MVP. LeBron doesn't play like it all the time. He doesn't want... You need to help this guy. He is far and away the best player on the team. And nobody... I just... Look, Julius Randle, you know me. I love Julius Randle. He's a nice player. Drew Holiday. I wrote two profiles basically last year talk, talking about how great Drew Holiday is. I love Drew Holiday's game. That's it. That's all the players that they have. Nikola Mirotic is good. He's injured. I don't, like, the, the Pelicans broadcast at some point said, oh, yeah, you know, they, they've been injured. They'll be better when Alfred Payton gets back. Look, if Alfred, if Alfred, Pray, Alfred <laughs> Payton is the, the answer to your problem. Yeah, yeah, if he's the answer, then you're asking the wrong question here. It's just like... I, they need help. I just you can't put it all on Anthony Davis. He's the be- he's what the fourth top one of the top four players in the NBA by any margin based on his production this season. He's a- incredible. His numbers are nuts. I don't blame I don't blame Anthony Davis at all. At some point, you just got to look around and be like, "What the hell's going on here?" Like, give me some help. Um, all right. Well, the Heat don't play until Thursday night when they face the Rockets back in Miami. But we'll have a mailbag and some shows for you before then. That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Locked on Heat on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you used to listen to podcasts. Leave us a reading and review while you're there. Connect on Twitter at Locked on Heat or email us at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.